I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Welcome to the Two Read Pile, where my co-host and I set out to read and watch every piece of media that is not Batman related from 1996. Jason, on a long enough timeline, we're going to read it all. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm just like those some of those delusional tech billionaires. I I think I can live forever. Yes, (laughs) yes. We need to start. Having we're gonna I'm gonna get my blood scrubbed so that I can so that I can read the nth man. But that's that's what I'm that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. I want to read Detective Comics number five thousand four hundred and forty-two and I wanna yeah. have opinions about it. All right. <laughs> that people are gonna wanna hear by yeah. tuning in to this podcast and the two read pile. Jason, yes, what did you bring to the two read pile? I am bringing sort of two things. Well, I'll explain in a second. But the first thing is uh, an actual book, a book book. Excellent. Called Saving Time by Jenny O'Dell. I'm really digging this book. Uh, Jenny O'Dell is an artist. Uh, she previously had a book out a few years ago called How to Do Nothing that I I blew through. Like, I really, really loved. Um, they're nonfiction books. Uh, how to do nothing was about kind of like how to actually just sort of like enjoy space and like life, you know, huh. uh, like how, like how, how to actually and, and by space, I mean like the space in the world, like around you, you know, sure. and what like and what like uh, not just social media, but like every other aspect of, of life kind of like draws for you to be busy and what productivity even means. And yeah, especially, yeah. you know, in the kind of world that we're in, uh, I, I, I kind of want to read it again. I, I, I gave it to somebody a while ago. I might just, I'll probably just buy it again. But anyway, uh, Saving Time, though, is uh, I'm about halfway through it at this point. It's, it's quite a bit uh, thicker in terms of it's not, that's not the right, it's dense. It's, it's a bit denser uh than yeah. uh how to do nothing was uh there's a lot of references to and i've been writing them down because i'm looking forward to reading them to uh philosophical papers because hmm. saving time itself is sort of about uh how to put it it's about how we structure time in our society and like our relationship to it sort of like hmm. starting with the clock and starting with everything that's been you know uh uh 24 hours in a day right and how we live with time especially under capitalism because the way we experience time and for and for for the past few hundred years really has been um always tied with capitalism it's been tied with the factory floor it's been tied with you know productivity you know like people even in like the early industrial revolution where uh, there was this guy john taylor and this thing ended up being called Taylorism, which is just making things as, as efficient as possible. Like, you know, the like how long it takes to do a certain job in a factory, how many sure. yeah. like, you know, and I, that whole thing of like how many motions does it take someone to like, you know, 
in a in a Chili's kitchen to pick up a knife and to do this. And we're going to set everything up yeah. in these ways to make it as like, so you don't waste one single second, right? Not, not to um, not to reference the bear again, which I feel like we've been doing off and on on this podcast, but every second counts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so so like that, um, but also the mentality that not mentality, the uh, so under capitalism, not not everyone's time is the same. Like there's the saying that everyone has the same 24 hours. And it's like, no, they don't. That's complete bullshit, because if you have children, you clearly do not have the same 24 hours as somebody who does not have children. If you are poor, you don't have the same 24 hours as someone who's rich. And what the rich end right. up doing to get more time is they buy time off of other people. I don't want to even go out to uh, uh, Popeyes tonight. I'm going to order DoorDash because I can afford right. to order DoorDash, you know. Or and, laundry services or cleaning, uh, house cleaning, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They buy time. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, it's just... It's just really good. It's really good. She's really, um, her writing style is, there's this confidence behind it that I think is, probably has a lot to do with like her background as like uh, an artist and a teacher. And so she's probably been in like an ac academic world for a while. Sure. And so she knows how to write like convincing um, position papers, I guess. But this isn't really a yeah. position paper. Um, and again, it's, it's, but it's really, really good. It's really, it's really given me a lot of uh, things to think about. And it's really kind of right up my alley with the kind of like uh, amateur philosophy stuff I like to get into, which, yeah. um, which I actually think this book is really good for something like that. If you're interested in philosophy at all, because it's philosophy can be, it's really hard if you, if you start with just like, you know, a, a critique of pure reason, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard for a philosophy PhD to read a critique of pure reason, you know, but so like if you're, if you're sure. going it alone, like I do, like uh, never having taken a philosophy course in college or anything like that, or really been to college when I, whenever I read like Sartre or something, it takes me a, an excruciatingly mm -hmm. long time, especially the like sort of really thicker esoteric stuff. Um, but saving time, I think would be like a really good sort of introduction to like that way of thinking and yeah. um and and how those processes are broken down and how to kind of think about them and like uh, uh approach uh those things uh so yeah is saving it, time is yeah. it making you look at your own life a little differently is there anything that like you're like oh i i need to change this in my life not not necessarily because there's not really at least not yet there's not too much even in like how to do nothing there wasn't a whole lot of like really prescriptive uh things to do sure it's really funny how the book became how to do nothing became really popular it became a bestseller and the the title itself i think is like probably meant to be slightly clickbaity you know just sure, just like yeah. saving time you got to move those books yeah yeah because it's because the full title of the book is saving time discovering a life beyond the clock right and so like when you look at that you'd think like oh it's a self-help book right right like it's it's gonna help me like you know whatever and so far at least there hasn't i think she's gonna get to some slightly 
prescriptive stuff, but like so far it's just been a, a lot of explanations of uh, our concepts of time, you know, and, and how we just accept it, you know, yeah. like we just accept yeah. the like, and not the fact that like, you know, obviously, oh, there's, you know, sun rises, sun sets. There's like obviously sure. some thing that's happening and it's not saying that there's like no use for a clock, but like, you know, she, she mentions uh, something like how farmers before there were farmers before clocks. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, Oh, the sun's going down and okay. That means we have this much time to finish this up and th- all this stuff up and going in the house. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what it's done for me so far is just kind of remind me and like wake me up out of this idea that I have um, as much control as I used to think, you know? Sure. And it's like, and it's like, I really don't, you know, and back to the, like, everyone has the same 24 hours and it's like, yeah. well, no, because I work at the least eight hours a day, five days a week. And I work a physical job, you know, and I get home and I'm tired. And even if I would want to get a better job, right? Oh, I need, you know, more training. It's like, okay, great. Now I got to go to night classes. Oh, but not only like night classes at a community college, I now have to spend what little time I do have, like researching how to get a loan. What classes should I take? What prerequisites do I need? When am I going to find the time to study? When am I going to find this the time a, to study regularly? You know, and a lot of that's like just so uh, beyond my control that it's actually kind of freeing in a sense yeah. of like being like, okay, well, there really is only so much I can control. And so I'm trying to figure out the best way. And even before reading it, um, still trying to, it's helping me articulate it though, to try to find the best way with what I can. You know, sure. it's, yeah. it's almost, it's almost like the, um, the alcoholics prayer, or I don't know what, I don't know. I don't think they call it the alcoholics oh, prayer, but the, the like AA, the, God the, grant me the strength to like change what um, I can and, and the strength to accept what I, what I can't change or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and to see the difference, you know, which is, which is always good advice. I really do like that. Sure. Like, yeah. That, absolutely. that saying, you know, and, and it's, and it's kind of like in that sense, it's like, okay, like I, I can't, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick, this just in, I can't, I can't stop capitalism. You know, like we're all, (laughs) we're all living under it. You know what, Jason, Uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to put this on you, but I was counting on you. All right. (laughs) So I'm pretty upset right now. Well, I'm, I'm still, I'm still kind of young ish. So like I I have some time. (laughs) You got got a couple of years left to stop uh, capitalism. (laughs) Yeah. I got, I got, I got a little bit. I got a little bit. Um, but yeah, but it's just been kind of reigniting my my like my amateur love of of like philosophy. I just I just love That's these cool. kinds of like yeah, these kind of like sticky like complex like questions yeah. are really fun to talk about and tease out and you sure know. yeah yeah. So saving time and my my other thing is I, I just wanted to say I guess this isn't really a two read but. I absolutely fucking love the band Yola Tango. I love yeah. them so much. They're so, so good. I just recently, again, have been, um, I've been rebuying albums uh, digitally that yeah, like, yeah. I used to have physically. And 
you know, like I don't have Spotify or anything anymore. Like haven't like in a while. I know you're, you're uh, a big anti Spotify pro band camp kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Or any other place where you can like pay an artist because like, Hey, and you know, and anyone listening to this, like no shade on you. If you have a Spotify account, sure, and I, have a premium Spotify. Account. I had one for years and years and years. I, I initially stopped using them because like I found that I wasn't using Spotify as much because like there was like some stuff that like actually wasn't on there. And I was just like, Uh, that's a little frustrating. Yeah. But I I will say this about, about it though, just from like a logic perspective, most people on Spotify, when you look at your year end list and those are always fun to like, you know, look, look back on what you listen to the most, most people listen to the same, like two to three artists, if not albums throughout the entire year. It's the, yeah. so the next time your Spotify year end comes up, make special note of it and then just go out and buy those albums because you obviously like them enough and then you have it and you've supported the artist. You don't have to get rid of your Spotify, but I think it might be useful to be like, oh, hey, here's the stuff I listen to a lot. Maybe I'll keep Spotify for like playlists or discovery or like those other kinds of things. But like, sure, sure. Hey, I, you know, it's like I've listened to like, whatever 8 million times this year i've been uh thinking about recently about like old ipods and stuff like that and like dedicated music players and how nice it was to not have it on your phone to like have a thing that you purposely loaded up like you took time you took thought it had a set amount of space and you filled it with the stuff that you liked you know, rather than just being like, ah, it's in the cloud, whatever, who cares? Like, yeah, it, 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 it it like robs it of personality. Yeah, exactly. And like, I once told, um, when Brian and Emily were up for a visit, our, our, our good friends, our good friends, Brian and Emily, um, I was like, you know, hanging out with them and, and, and that had like come up for whatever reason, uh, just like the buying music digitally. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm like, you know, it's about like a few things. And I'm like, but one another thing it was largely about too of the reason why I got off of of, of Spotify was that I, I was getting really to miss a lot the way before Spotify I had I had engaged with music. You know, like I would yeah. go out and it wasn't just about like buying the physical copy. It was more about that like I bought this, this this whole album I bought, and I don't know if it'll be good or not but I'm going to actually like engage with it more because it's now yeah. part of my collection. And it might be something that, oh, and dude, and how much I miss crate digging. Like, and, yeah, and, man. and I sort of, I, I sort of do that on, on Bandcamp, but like, I just, I, I feel like you're, you're speaking the language of like everybody who digs through like long boxes at comic shops as well. It's the same exactly. feeling of like, of like exactly. having an emotional tie to the object and you found it in this specific place and you remember and you remember that shop and you remember that time in your life yeah. and like that's a magical thing that gets like basically sterilized because of the cloud and you know whatever on-demand bullshit you know yeah yeah because like a, a a band that was a favorite band of mine for a while this uh band Menomina, uh yeah. from uh, they're broke up a while ago but like they're they're great 
But the way I discovered them was that I was at a Newberry Comics, I think. And um, I'm like, you know, flipping through like the CDs and I pick up this book. And I mean, it was like a book. It was like thick. And then, and it just had this white cover with this really intentionally bad monster drawing in the corner on the front and like nothing else. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this thing is, but it's only 20 bucks and it's a yeah, full yeah. ass like this looks like hundreds of pages of something in here. And yeah. I want to know what is in here <laughs> and yeah. what it was. And the artifact itself was really cool, too. I'm bummed that I, I lost it ages ago. But what it was, though, was that it was just their CD, but all of the pages were a flip book, right? <laughs> That's rad. Of, of photographs of the band, and they're all kind of like spinning on these chairs or like someone else is doing something else. But the uh, the name of the album was I Am The Fun Blame Monster, right? Yeah. I was at the beginning of the flip book. And then, and then all the letters start moving around and it was an anagram that spelled out Menomina's first record or Oh, something. that's right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so like, you know, like, like, like shit like that, but like also just like, I don't know, I, I can't remember the name because it's a Japanese name and it's very hard to pronounce, but a, a while back, there's this thing I'll do on Bandcamp sometimes where like on the homepage, they have this uh, little uh, uh, ticker. That's just yeah. like what people are buying right then. And sure. on su on super busy days, it'll just be like flying by. Oh, and I so bet. I'll just and so I'll just hover my cursor over it randomly. And if I see something that looks like an interesting album cover, I'll click on it and maybe listen to it. But sometimes I'll be like, that's eight bucks. Fuck it. Chuck click. it in the bin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I found this really awesome Japanese psychedelic rock record. <laughs> Oh yeah. From it. Yeah. I actually, like, uh, it, was, it was great. It was I started, great. I started listening to, uh, some Japanese math rock and then Spotify Ooh, like was Boris? like, hey. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, Spotify was like, Hey, do you want more Japanese rock? And I was like, I, I, I guess. And then I, I've kind of gone down that rabbit hole, but it's weird because I'm like, I don't know what anybody's saying. The music is good. And I kind of don't know what to do do with this stuff you know but i'm just kind of enjoying it so i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> it it's, 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 it's yeah it's also why i've i've fallen so in love with um the radio station i bring up all the time wfmu because yeah. it's they just have a, so, they have a feed online too that people can listen to right yes they do they have three feeds online actually that Whoa. people can listen to they have they have two inter, in, two internet only feeds and one terrestrial feed that's playing whatever shows are on their terrestrial uh, station at the yeah. time, and they also have over twenty years of archives and it's all free. It's all it's all just that's rad. I'm gonna drop free. that link in the show notes for sure. Yeah, it's it's so good and and it's just it's just it's just, it's just another thing of like it's just so nice to like know that like. A, a person is is curating this man you know? i was just like, i just listened to a terrible thing about the future of ai and it freaked the hell out of me but but because they're talking about how you know right now for a lack of a better term ai is a monkey 
and it will eventually become a man and it will evolve into that and it will it will get better and they were saying that ai will be able to do everything that humans can do creatively in 20 years and it made me think you're shaking your head but i don't know we'll see we'll see you know bold predictions tech predictions everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, some get right some get it wrong whatever that, that but, that's a different rant for a different show yeah yeah but i was thinking i was like i wonder if we're gonna hit a point where like you know right now boomers are on facebook and they're like eagle.gov told me that there's a you know nefarious pizza ring whatever anyway yeah like yeah yeah they're trusting whatever's in front of them. And I wonder if we're going to hit a point in our society where like you can make something so fast with AI that you begin to trust nothing unless you can verify the human being it came from. Like we're going to start to like put what people make on a higher pedestal and like treat it with care rather than just like the constant content garbage that we're sucking down right now you know i I don't know if it's going to go that way or not that's my big tech prediction the the other thing the other thing i wanted to say to you is Hmm. that i noticed personally that when i was in uh gainesville florida gainesville florida has a comic uh a comic shop however the guy admittedly is like comics are like 15 percent of my income it's mostly magic and warhammer I talked to him about like setting up signings and he was like not interested. And, you know, like he was just like, there's not enough people around who are into comics, which like I found hard to believe, especially because we're, you know, at the height of more uh, at the time we were at the height of like the Marvel movies and all that stuff. Anyway. Yeah. The point is, is that with this comic shop that was not very fun, not very engaging, I started like selling things out of my collection, being like, I'll just read digitally, you know, whatever. Cause like it wasn't a treat to go to that shop. And then now that I'm uh, here in the mountains, like I go to a shop that I found a shop that I really love and I go in there and I spend more than I necessarily went in for, you know, like I'll go in for one book and I'll come out with five kind of thing. And that was, that was how it was when I was in Philly too. I'd go in, I'd go in like and be like, hey, what should I read? And then the guys in the store, uh, Rob and Brian, they'd be like, oh, you want this? You want this? Have you read this thing? I just read this thing. It's great. Put it on the pile. You know, like I and I found that now that I'm in a good environment with a good shop with someone who engages with me, who's learning my taste and I'm learning theirs, like it's becoming like a social thing. and. I'm collecting more books all of a sudden and not going digital. Yeah, that's, you know, that's something I never haven't really gave much thought to that. Like the way we grew up getting into like art and music and stuff, like we were already like, we, we had the, like, like the internet was so early for us. And then like the internet, like kind of eating culture was also kind of early for us. And so like, not that people our age didn't get like, you know, wrapped up in the wave of it or whatever, but like we we had this like foundation of like, oh, like the way I got into like Jawbreaker, you know, which we mentioned right. on, on the last show was, was like through friends. 
Because I had friends right. who were like, holy shit, have you heard this band? Or like, I would find well, a band and be like, oh my God, I'm really into like this band. A right great now. venue near us. Yeah. That was like yep. very close to us. A great yeah. comic shop that was very close to us. Yeah. They were co- like coincidentally right around the corner from each other. And yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, I don't know how you. Like, it baffled me that we went to high, sc- high school with people who didn't take advantage of these things. We're just not, like, not interested. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I, you're sitting on a gold mine. I don't know. Anyway, we're, we're kind of meandering around a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's all right. And, that's and I have a, a bunch of stuff for the two read pile as well. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say, what, what, what have you been reading? You've, so, you've been reading books, you nerd. No, no books. Comic books only. I started reading. I haven't finished it. I'm about halfway through The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. The Ominous oh, yeah. Omnibus Volume One Scary Tales and Scarier Tentacles. Yeah, you've been, um, you've been sending me some of those. Yeah. A lot of great guest artists within this thing. First of all, it's oversized. It's huge, right? Oh, nice. Nice. It's in, it's in a slip case. I just bumped the mic. It's in a slip case with um, a die cut in the slip case that exposes a glow in the dark hardcover for this thing. It is so well crafted and beautiful, and it's only 40 bucks. And the wow. second volume just came out um this one came out last year second volume just came out dying to get the second volume i haven't done it yet uh packed with guest artists i I sent you a couple pages of um evan dorkin eltingville club fame uh yep milk and cheese fame dork i used to have a bunch of issues of dork as well evan dorkin Uh, is a evan dorkin's great everyone should buy uh, as much as evan dorkin's as as we've all been aging and he has turned into like a very curmudgeon old man, I've like adored him more and more, <laughs> to be yeah. completely honest. Well, and also like all all of the stories, though, too, I'm like when I see him like, you know, because like I, I know about the stuff that like, you know, didn't break right, you know. Sure. For, yeah. For, I, yeah. Like, he's had a, ba- a lot of bad luck over the years. Uh, yeah. You know, for like different projects and stuff like that. So I'm like. Yeah, I'd be pissed too, man. Like, yeah, fucking a. Uh, you, you know how this guy's worked? Like, come on. Yeah, he works hard, dude. He works yeah. hard. Anyway, yeah. he had a great story in this, and I, I clipped. Uh, he always writes like he always puts in little jokes in the background, and when he's playing in like the Simpsons sandbox, it's like he puts every single goddamn Simpsons character on that page. <laughs> like, it is boggling, like how much he drew, and. There was this monster that gets pulled from an alternate dimension and he's like covered in Kirby crackles and Ralph licks the crackle and he's like, it tastes like burning. (laughs) And I'm like, this is such a wonderful like convergence of like somebody who loves comic books making us like what is a Simpsons joke about comic books in this comic book that can't really work in the animated show. You know, yeah, yeah, it's just such like a, a beautiful meld. And the book is just filled with that stuff. It's it's um, they did a, a series of three stories and, you know, it's Treehouse of Horror. So it's all horror kind of stories. Uh, yeah. Time for spooky season, a, man. Spooky season. 
they did a, a series of uh, an homage to uh, EC Comics that was like really, really great and really smart. Um, they, yeah, just so much good stuff in there. I highly, highly recommend it. I'm only halfway through it and I'm, I'm eating it up, but I've had kind of a crazy week and trying to get rid of or trying to get ready for the con that I'm going to this weekend. And then also trying to get a book out and then also trying to wrangle another book. And so I haven't had a whole lot of time. I wanted to finish it by the time we got to the two read pile, but I haven't quite gotten there. Um, but I do wholeheartedly recommend it. Like I said, if you can't get a hold of volume one, volume two just came out and they all uh, it's it's an anthology. So you don't need volume one to understand volume two. You just need a base of Simpsons knowledge, which I assume everyone has. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is that, is that a bad assumption? I do. I do that, too. Sometimes I was actually like our, our, our friend, uh, Sean, who I live with, um, like I made some sort of I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like that that thing in The Simpsons where and he's just like, I, I didn't really watch The Simpsons like the rest of you people. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, Jason? Are you fucking no. kidding me? Are you messing with me no. right now? Dude, he, Sean Derby has not your roommate has not seen The Simpsons well, that much. No. Yeah, no, he he's seen The Simpsons, but not to the point where like like our friend, our friend who you don't know, but our friend Zach is just like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. him and his dad both like from when he was a kid like zach's a bit younger than we are but like you can continue I, but uh i'm gonna just book a plane ticket real quick uh, <laughs> give me, give me two seconds. i'm i'm bringing simpsons to sean derby just give me one he, second and i'll see you in a week <laughs> all right well you know what <laughs> i i think that's a good enough trip uh a good enough reason for a last minute trip you know yeah, than, than yeah. anything yeah, but but yeah, but I you know I I can't believe well I I guess I can kind of believe I sort of like slept on uh, Bongo Comics when they were coming out like I would pick up yeah. a few issues here and there especially if if I was like if I would see someone like I an artist I knew or like, right. like oh shit I'm like all right they have a story in this like maybe I'll pick this up but like there's a huge blind spot in my comics knowledge which is so uh, like Bongo and like that that kind of stuff just is I, like i felt the same way um not that i knew it was a blind spot but i was in um a, a grocery store checkout and they had a, a treehouse of horror single issue on the stands where they put like all the magazines and stuff at the checkout and i was like oh shit a comic book i'll buy that you know like i want to encourage that i don't want you know Time yeah. Life magazine, Lucille Ball collection. I'm like, I don't give a shit about that. You're like, give me yeah, more comics, yeah. you know? Uh, so I bought it. I brought it home. And I was like, this fucking rules. It had a Phil Noto story. Phil Noto drawing The Simpsons. Like, Jesus. Wild. And I was like, Simpsons comics got to be better than I think they are. So I bought three trades of Bongo comics. I think I bought three, four, and five. It was like whatever I could get a hold of at the time. Read them, loved them, gave them away. And then I bought the Treehouse of Horror. It's excellent. Uh, yeah, the, the comics, there's something. So when you watch The Simpsons, like currently, it's not as good as it used to be. And there's something that gets lost, you know, than that, that first like 10 seasons. Um, the comics, because, because of the medium, you hear the jokes better in your head than perhaps like a voice artist could crack them, you know? 
like yeah. every yeah. single joke the the like pattern or the pattern of the joke is like you've finally tuned it in your brain by reading the comic you know yeah yeah and and, it's, and it's i a will say thing. and 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 i will say uh that like i guess like somewhat special shout out to to matt Groening just because like you know he started in comic books like i gotta say like you know it's the most yeah. diy thing like life is hell was the first thing they wanted to option because it was the you know he used to make matt, matt Groening used to make life is hell by uh, he would draw it on a sheet of eight and a half by 11 paper and just make copies and like sell them for like 10 cents a pop, like around like the Portland, right. where he's from Portland, Oregon. But it is really cool. And I guess I never connected it in my head that like, you know, he becomes richer than God because of the Simpsons. And he's like, well, I have enough money to start my own comic book company and I can pay artists really well. This is awesome. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know what their yeah. page rates were, but I imagine they were probably better than like probably a lot of those. i have no idea no idea yeah. I, I don't i don't know either but but it is just really cool though to be like oh the fucking creator of the simpsons who yeah got his start in comic books yeah. was like yeah i still want to make comics so, man come on i'm uh, rich now the stories in treehouse of horror are grouped in like sci-fi stories classic horror stories like homages you know so it's it's it all like it pulls from a lot of different stuff from a lot of different eras and i'll put the years in the um in the table of contents and then in the back because so many artists worked on this thing and they're all credited within their stories and and in the um in the opening as well but like you can open it up and there's an index where you can be like evan dorkin stories and it'll give you the page numbers Oh, so you, nice. Yeah. So it really caters Shit. to a comic reader. Like they really want to make sure that they cover all their bases. Um, not only that, but like, have you, so do you know that um, Mars Attacks is based on a, a co collectible card series? I do. I do. Actually. Yeah. 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 So those old card series came out. I want to say 60s or 70s. I can't even remember. Maybe 50s. I don't know. Probably, probably early 60s, but by like the art, like probably early 60s. But but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah about about that. Uh, they made some uh, fake Simpsons, like Mars attacks cards about like an alien invasion. And it's in the exact same style. And then you flip the page and there's even the back of the cards that they've like written of like stories for that. And that was like how you got the Mars attack story back in the day, uh, which is like a, a awesome homage to like something that's that's extremely niche. And then oh, okay. not only that, but like they have all these little extras and there's like uh, comic book guys cost favorite cosplays that he's done over the years and so it'll be like him in the cosplay and then the con it was at, it was four in the year <laughs> you know <laughs> so you That's got all these lists of all these different like wild conventions and stuff and like his his costume for it and it's it's just very fun that's fucking awesome Man, i love this book i i wholeheartedly recommend it i'm only halfway through i think it's only going to get better i'm going to buy the second volume anytime yeah yeah shit yeah it's man. rad it's rad I'm, I'm i'm probably gonna buy that this week 
Can I make one more recommendation, Jason? Yes, you can. Of course. Get ready to enter the dad zone. Dads. Now we are not dads. No. That we know of. We're man whores, but we're not dads that we know of. That we know of. That I know of. However, lately Reddit, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Reddit has gone like fucking bonkers with like, hey, you want to check out this other subreddit that you didn't subscribe to? We're just going to jam in your feed. Here you go. Here you go. Over and over. (laughs) Here you go. Uh, I stumbled on to Reddit R Dex, and it's all about Dex. D-E-C-K-S, Jason. It's about people building patios, building decks, and the trials and tribulations that they they find themselves in in doing this work, as well as celebrating good decks and lampooning bad decks. And there's something really kind of amazing in, in it. I don't know what it is. I don't know that if it's is, like the, the specific community of people or it's the the construction aspect of it that like is is really like massaging my brain in a really pleasant way. But like, dude, I I I fucking love it. I don't know. There's something about it. I'll I'll, I'll tell you what it is. And what it is, is that is that is pure, uncut Internet. That's being injected into your veins because <laughs> that is like that is honestly some of what I enjoy the most about the internet is that you you it's just people who have like you know there's like what how many billions of people are on the planet right now six something like sure, that something like that like like six billion people right and it's like yeah, of course, like 350 million in America. Of, of course, there would be a, a few that might want to get on the internet and start talking about their deck. And then all of a sudden, yeah, like, exactly. they, they kind of get into the community because, oh, they really helped me out with this problem when I was trying to like patch something on yeah. my deck. And then now and that, I'm really into deck memes that nobody else in my family or right. my life understands. Right. They don't understand. My coworkers don't understand this, but but my yeah. deck friends understand this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I, I absolutely love shit like that. Like it reminds me of like my my favorite subreddit. I think will always be uh, never broke a bone, and then people will <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that one too. And they get immediately banned and made fun yep. of. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's very, very good. <laughs> yeah it's just, it's just so like i i think and i think it's that and i think like and and for you personally i think it's that i think it's that like you know you you've always really enjoyed and especially because like these are like happen to be your interests are just like weird niche little like things that yeah. like other people get excited about and like that's dude like that's what i fucking love too man like don't like like I want more like I don't know I, I think it was maybe uh Iron Spike years ago had had tweeted out and and I remember this cuz I wholeheartedly agree and she was saying something like you know I don't want I don't want to see another story about Napoleon from like you know uh, some someone at the uh 
Smithsonian. You know, I want to see like the Smithsonian, like the assistant bug collector, tell me about like who the what their favorite like yeah right thing right. is in there. I don't want to listen to an hour of that person just excitedly talking about this thing that nobody else in the world seems to care about except for them. <laughs> you know, and and I absolutely love that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if someone yeah. if someone was like if someone was like, hey, yeah, Jerry's really into uh, into decks. I'd be like, no shit. Like, hey, Jerry, tell me about hey, decks. Tell me about your deck. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm, on, I'm completely not joking. I want to know everything about. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's just. I don't know. I, maybe, maybe there's some sort of like validation you get for your for for when, and I say like the royal you, like myself included, but sure. like for your weird little like interests that like maybe, maybe. <laughs> You, you know, I am also like, on the flip side of this. I'm like, man, these deck people, they sure are something. And then in the same breath, in the in the same week that I'm like discovering the decks forum, I'm also grappling. Shannon and I are rewatching Gilmore Girls right now. We're also watching Supernatural at the same time. Both shows have a star, Jared Padalecki, in them. And the more that I watch them both, the more that I think that they are interconnected universes. And I have started to make mental notes as to like, oh, this person, like Rune shows up. And, okay. And I realize if you're not into Gilmore Girls, it's okay to abandon the pot at this point. Because <laughs> basically I've got Gilmore Girls from here on out. This, this minor character Rune, he's Jackson's like cousin and Jackson comes from, he's like the vegetable guy that provides Sookie. Who's the cook at the inn with like all the vegetables and they end up so, having a relationship. So, so, so this guy rune is in no way related to Barry Windsor Smith's rune for Malibu comics. No, in, not in at, all, not at okay. all. Okay. He's all right. He's just this like little guy. He's a complainer. You first meet him when they go on a double date with uh, Sookie and Jackson and Lorelai and Rune get set up. And Rune is disgusted by uh, Lauren Graham because uh, he's like, she's so goddamn tall. And then she's like, they're like trying to eat. And he's like, what shoe size are you? <laughs> and he's, he's, just, and he's, he's just grossed out the entire time. A great character. A great character. But there's a moment where like Rune comes into town. He's staying with Jackson. And he's like, he has nowhere else to go. And like Jackson's kind of taking him in because you don't turn your back on family. But he's his family is apparently not speaking to him. And it's left very vague. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. Because most of the hunters in Supernatural usually get into hunting because there's a there's like a family tragedy that exposes them to the world of like demons and shifters and like whatever, you know, and then they're like, oh, these things exist. They killed my family. I'm going to start killing them. And then Rune shows up, right? He shows up to the inn to, to pick up a job. And like, I'm like, Rune's a hunter. Like he's working Stars Hollow right now. He's on a case. He shows up, right? And he's got an unexplained shoulder injury that he like, is just like, oh yeah, my bag's heavy. And he also is, comes in with a duffel and every single hunter in Supernatural carries a fucking duffel full of guns. Like every single goddamn one, Jason, I swear to God, they are interconnected worlds and I will die on this hill. So so meanwhile, I'm like 
deep into the into my own fucking head cannon of this and i'm like man those dex people they are crazy <laughs> uh the other thing that's happening is that <laughs> fucking I'm weirdos also, fucking weirdos i'm also like i've gotten really into uh getting original hardware to look good on modern televisions and yeah uh so I've been, I've been, uh, I've owned three different upscalers at this point and line doublers. And what they do is they take like a row of pixels and they'll make that five rows of pixels instead. So you retain this kind of like crisp clarity rather than taking a, you know, 240p screen and stretching it out to 4K, yeah. like it'll be all blurry. So this will do it in a very nice, clean way. And I've started, this is the first time we've watched Gilmore Girls on a 4K set that is like pretty large. And I've realized that both options to watch the first season of Gilmore Girls are fucking terrible. One option <laughs> is Netflix, in which they do like the thing where they take the four by three aspect ratio and they crop the top and bottom off to make it widescreen, quote unquote. They did this mm. to The Simpsons. They did this yeah, to Seinfeld yeah. to their detriment. And then because they're working with like they're making television for four by three and they're making television for you to view on a television that is like 20 inches, seven feet away from you instead of like, you know, 70 inches in 4K. Yeah. Uh, So there's all these shots where it's like you see a shot and it'll be like a one shot of like a, a person talking. And then it'll be a wide shot of the two people talking in the environment. And I swear to God, they look like different shows. And I never (laughs) noticed until it was like a 4K television. And then it was crop zoomed. It looks like fucking hot garbage, Jason. So and like not only that, but the fucking audio too. like you can tell it's like a totally different show. Anyway, the point is this, Jason, this is the point. This is the point is that the other option, if you want it in the correct aspect ratio, is to download some DVD rips that are floating around online. But these rips are from like 2007 and they are the blurriest fucking trash I have ever seen. And when they go from, and listen to this creative choice too. This is, by the way, started, I started ranting about this with Shannon and Shannon was like, I fucking can't today. Like, can you just, can we just skip this? So I'm subjecting it to you. I'm sorry. Oh, but I'm digging it. I'm digging it, so, man. Listen, listen to this. Gilmore Girls is in a weird place because it started out uh, on four by three televisions and then the technology changed. We went from four by three CRTs to flat panels, basically, like in the span of a couple of years. And so the studio is like, hey, you did your first you did your first season in four by three, like shoot it in widescreen. Now we got you better cameras. And Amy Sherman Palladino was like, fuck no, four by three till we die. Like, I will shoot it in widescreen, but we are cropping that shit. However, <laughs> the ones on Netflix are the full shot. So it's crystal clear from season two, but there's nothing happening on either side of the either side of the television. <sighs> it's all right down the barrel. And so if you want that like cropped aspect ratio, you got to go back to those DVD rips and and at least they look good from season two on in the streaming. They're not like cropping. They're not, you know, cropping a four by three to blow it up. 
they're like just showing you the raw footage. Um, it was shot in widescreen. Here it is in widescreen. It was made for four by three, but here it is in widescreen. Yeah, yeah. Jason, I'm pretty sure that this entire experience has soured me on everything that's out there, and that I'm confident that I'm gonna I'm going to go to my uh, local Goodwill, buy a DVD player, get the DVDs from the library, hook the DVD player up to my RetroTink 5X in order to upscale them, my fucking self, and then do it my goddamn self and make clear 4 by 3 correct aspect ratio seasons of the Gilmore Girls that don't look like a muddy mess. And so I think that's in my future. I think it's a long-term project because I have to, I can't just rip them off the disc. I have to like physically watch them and record them. It's going to be a lot. I, I would lo- I would love to um, I'll, I'll probably send this rant specifically to my friend Eric because I think he would really really <laughs> dig and understand. It's this it's this. the same thing with like you know you you've you've brought this up like people are like oh you haven't listened to the Beatles till you listen to them in mono. It's the same kind of madness oh, of yeah. like of like I want this thing as it was originally created by its creator. Like, and like, I want it to look nice on the television that I have. And so to, in order to do that, I apparently have to put in thousands of man hours because nobody else yeah. has yet. Yeah. Which, which honestly is a, is a larger like conversation. And like, I don't think people have realized like just how much like streaming has uh eaten away at things you know oh yeah because these the first season of supernatural they redubbed all of the music in it so now instead of like acdc it's like something that i can put on our youtube channel on over this recording right now Right now, yeah. you're listening to a song from Supernatural season one that is not ACDC. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's the the, the legally distinctive uh, equivalent yeah. of yeah, right. right. Well, well, that and sometimes yeah. it's like it's like real jar. I, and like, man, I just I care about like the nuts and bolts of this stuff, and it just feels like you know Netflix doesn't give a shit. They're just like. Cropping four, cropping four by three. Who gives a fuck? Put it out there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, because because the you know it, I I I think about and I'm just barely old enough to kind of remember it, but like, um, I think a lot of people have forgotten or just don't know that like there was a time where Ted Turner was like the richest man in the country, and uh, everybody knew who he was, which was still kind of like. Uh, rare-ish for a super wealthy person at the time. The only reason but, I knew who he was was because uh, Conan had a Ted Turner uh, parody guy who would come on sometimes riding a stuffed buffalo <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> uh, but there was this big, uh, I forgot what he had bought. I think he had bought some film company 
but yeah. there's this big controversy where where he said he was going to colorize a bunch of classic fit like he was going to colorize Casablanca you know he was going to it's just it all, not done Jason it's just and, not like, supposed to be done but like and people rightfully flipped out and was like no don't fucking do what are you doing don't do this and he ended up not doing it you know but I think like we've kind of come full like six circle of you know Netflix Hulu like whoever because they're just streaming it. And because they're streaming it, I'm sure that like most of what goes into it is how can we keep our costs low? The, these, right, exactly. Exactly. You know, the, 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 these pigs want their slop and they want their slop in what they think is 4K. And so, yeah. well, well, we'll do that for our shows, but any of these other shows, fuck it. Like we're, we're you yeah. know what, 4K. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, everything's going to be in 4K now. It's like, oh, but it's not supposed to be. It wasn't just like, no, fuck you. It's 4K. We so, don't give a shit how it's going to make it look. We're going to, everyone in wants chatting, the new flashy thing. In chatting a little bit about this online and trying to find like a solution that doesn't exist, that I have to take matters into my own hands when it comes to the Gilmore Girls, uh, I found out that the Star Trek Next Generation, the reason why it looks so good is because they upscaled it. They took great pains to do so. And when they were not able to replicate or when they were not able to upscale like some of the special effects and things like that, they used CGI in order to painstakingly replicate each individual frame in order to like get the thing to look great and they really took time energy and care into it and they made no money at it (laughs) they it was such a wild unsuccessful thing that they did not they were going to consider to do it for deep space nine after after tng and because it just didn't make any money they were like oh i guess people don't want this so they stopped which is which is heartbreaking because those episodes, those episodes, when you stream the next generation, it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. And I wish that that same level of care got brought to some other like fan favorite shows. But yeah, money, man, turns (laughs) out, turns out profit motive is maybe not a good way to run your society. (laughs) So anyway, Remember to click those Amazon links uh, down below (laughs) if you're looking to pick up any of the stuff that we've talked about today in the show. (laughs) Hey, man, everyone's selling a product. Jason, where can people find you? They can find me still on Twitter at King of Black Acid. Also on Blue Sky at uh, King Black Acid. So I haven't posted anything over there yet. Got to get into it a bit more. Twitter's sure. just getting kind of even just boring at this point. Uh, but also, yeah. World Second Finest on Twitter.com. Yep. World Second with the two. That's the show account. I don't know if. Uh the Batman episode that we just recorded is going to be late or not. 
because I have a comic convention this weekend. Usually I uh, do all my editing and and stuff on Fridays, Saturdays and get the pot out for Sunday. But I'm clearly not going to be able to do that because I will be at Asheville Beer City Comic Con. So those delays, if you want to, if you if you're like, where's the episode? Like, is it coming? I don't know if you're like, this is all I can think about. I'm I'm weirdly manic about this and I'm trying to get professional help. But like, I, I really just need to know where the episode is. You can find it at World's Second Finest Twitter. I always post up there if I'm I'm running late on uh on anything really. Yeah, I'll 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 post that like Nick's stuck in a bear trap, you know. Yep. Or or, or something like that, you know, which which will likely be true. You know how like most, like most of the you know, time violent comic book conventions can get. Yeah, most of the time it's not a bear trap. Most of it, most of the time, I'm just like head and like one and a half shoulders into a big pot of honey. Yeah. With wearing no you, pants. You, you, you do love your, you, you do love hunting for honey pantsless. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's weird. It's Jason, weird, but it's, these, well, you're not hurting anyone when you do it. Specific, so. very niche hobbies that really <laughs> just light my fire. R slash pantsless <laughs> honey. You've just been <laughs> you in my fire. You can find me at linktree.com slash Nick Phil. You can find all relevant links up there, including the Discord where you can come and hang out and talk comic books. Uh, I'm on there pretty much every time I'm in the chair. So regular work days, definitely. Um, Boyks, Cam, and Chops and I are about to do, uh, we're about to try an archipelago this week. I know that you're uh, not able to uh, hear it live because this is, it's going to happen before this episode goes live, but uh, you can see it on my Twitch let me explain to you what Archipelago is just real quick. It is a randomizer amongst a bunch of different games. So I'll be playing A Link to the Past. Boyks will be playing Pokemon Red. And both of those games will be connected. So Boyks will find the Fire Rod from The Legend of Zelda in like the bushes and it will <laughs> send it to my game. And I will find like a master ball and send it to his game. And so they're interconnected and randomized. Like every, every item is in a different place and then they're all scattered across multiple games. And so we're having, we're going to do four games. It's going to be buck wild. I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. It's, it's Sounds hell like to fun. set up, but, but we're going to, but we're going to do it. And you can find that at uh, twitch.tv slash Nick and then uh, once the VOD leaves there, it will be on the YouTube forever. So check it out. Nice. I will check that out. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone.